Welcome to the Mama Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Chrissy and Cindy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. Every other week, we dive into the topics that matter to moms most, answering your most pressing questions as we learn from top-notch experts, swap stories, tap into our creative sides, and advocate for the causes that moms truly care about, all while hanging with your mom friends. We're so glad you're here. Let's dive in. We are so excited today to be joined by Alana Oaks. Alana is a registered nurse and the founder of Milk Exchange, a brand new platform that is working to make the exchange of breast milk safe and accessible for everyone. Alana is a dear personal friend of mine. In fact, she was one of the very first mom friends I made after the birth of my daughter. We immediately connected over our struggles with breastfeeding. I personally witnessed the heartache Alana went through in trying to feed her son and then a couple years later, her twins. Personal struggles such as what Alana went through can often turn into passion. That passion and dedication to make breast milk accessible to everyone is exactly what we see when talking to Alana about her organization, Milk Exchange. I cannot wait for you to meet my dear friend and learn about the amazing ways she is changing the conversation around feeding our babies. Alana. So Hi, happy guys. to have you here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. It is our pleasure. We're so excited to talk to you today and just to hear more about the awesome thing that you are building. And it really is yeah. awesome and much needed. So we're excited to dive into that. But first, we always like to talk to our guests and just get to know them a little bit better. So to just kick us off on a high note, fill in the blank, motherhood is hard. <laughs> I want to preface this with saying that I love motherhood. I truly do. It is a magical and completely transcendent journey, but it is hard. And I don't think we talk about that part enough. I love being a mom. It is such a deeply rooted part of my identity now, but it is, it is work. And my, my partner is constantly saying how he wouldn't trade places with me because I think he can recognize that being a mom and in my case, uh, a stay-at-home mom for the last couple years is true work. And, you know, motherhood is so many things, including rewarding and joyous, but it is also hard. And I think admitting that shouldn't be seen as defeat, but it should be very freeing. You know, it's so true. And I, I agree with you. It's not talked about nearly enough, but I do feel like I sense a shift. I feel mm, like yeah. there's there's been enough of a pushback and there are certain people that are starting to stand up and say, yes, you know what? This is flipping hard. Yeah. <laughs> and, and let's be honest about that and paint this in an accurate portrayal so that other people don't enter into motherhood with this false ideal and, you know, the goddess myth of these yes. like, un unhealthy expectations that we have of mothers. So, yes. Exactly. And kudos to your partner for <laughs> recognizing that because I don't think a lot of partners do. So yeah. kudos to him. He's a good one, though. You, you have yes, a good one. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, what do you value most in a friendship? So I have two things for this. First, patience. Um, I value friends who don't need a lot of consistency. My best friend in high school and I can go several months without talking, and then we can spend two weeks together, and it's just completely seamless. And my sister's my best friend, and she lives in Portland, and I'm in Raleigh. And so just somebody that can be you know, patient and know that I'm thinking about them even if we don't talk for months. And then equally important is someone who is accepting. I have many friends who have different lifestyles but that doesn't divide us. Um, we accept each other for whatever it is that we bring to the table and we're just not separated by our differences. I love that. I, I think particularly the piece about patience, the whole, I don't, can't talk to you every day. I can't check it. You know, like that seems to come with adulthood and especially parenthood. I, yes. I feel like that's a show. Like, I don't know if that's something we would have said in high school or college, maybe, exactly. I mean, maybe, but I, there's just definitely this shift in adulthood and, and specifically parenthood that forces you into that realm of, I need someone that's going to know that I love them and I'm there for them. But I also have so much on my plate on a day-to-day -day basis that I can't check in every day. I love that you said that. I, I really do. 
Want to be my friend? Yes, I do. (laughs) What is the most daring thing you've ever done? Mm. So I feel like the easy answer would be childbirth or parenting, but outside of motherhood, I'd say moving across the country with Jason, my partner, we were in our twenties. We'd only been together a handful of months and we just packed up our entire lives in a couple weeks and hit the road. We didn't have jobs lined up or anything. Um, we kind of just came out here on not much more than blind faith. And, um, so that's probably the most daring thing I've done, but it was probably also one of the best things I've done. I love that. Are you both happy here now? Like you're happy? Oh yeah. We love it. And I mean, I'm a West coaster. So I was like, what is this magical place called Raleigh on this magical side of the country called the East coast? And (laughs) so it it all worked out. Alana, careful what you say. We don't want everyone to move to Raleigh. Okay. Noah was just telling me that he saw this thing about Raleigh was ranked for having the best roads. And he said he like scrolled through the comments and all the people that lived in Raleigh, like, are you kidding? I know. I've made it <laughs> I like just pointed out all of the issues with the traffic and, and everything. No, Alana, I, I love that. Similarly, Noah and I moved here after college on a whim. I had never mm-hmm. been to Raleigh. I had actually told Noah, let's go check out Charlotte. And I had never been to Charlotte, but it was just the place I had heard of. And he's like, I don't really like it here. Let's check out Raleigh. And this is where we ended up. And same, it, it has been a really good decision. It, it really yeah, has. I love it. What advice would you give your younger self? This is a great question, but I kind of feel like I'm coming up a little short. So I believe that everything happens for a reason. So all the supposed, you know, wrong turns I may have made have led me right where I need to be. But I would tell my younger self to trust my instincts more, especially when it comes to being a new mom and navigating parenthood. I think that we too often waste a lot of time and energy just second guessing ourselves. So I would just say to my younger self, my last week self, my five years ago self, you know, just trust your instincts more. It's so true. And, you know, maternal instincts are real. Mm. I think in this day and age, we've reached a point where we are so wrapped up in turning to the experts and the parenting books and the parent coaches. And I mean, they're all wonderful and we have something to learn from them, but I think we can get so wrapped up in, well, so-and-so said this, Dr. So-and-so said this and lose sight of what our innate maternal instinct is telling us. And, and there is a lot of truth in that, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, earlier we alluded to a really exciting business launch that you're undergoing and we are thrilled. It is extremely needed. So you and your partner, now your partner, would that be your marriage partner or a business partner? My everything partner, my marriage partner, my business partner, my parenting partner. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So you and your partner founded Milk Exchange because you saw a gap in the market, knew that parents needed this, which they do. I mean, it's huge. Case in point, the formula shorted. Specifically, you saw a need that you yourself struggled through with the birth of your twins. Can you tell us about that? Can you tell us about your feeding journey, how that has led you to creating this amazing business organization that you're about to launch? Yeah, I would love to share my story. Thank you for asking. So I went into being a new mom with my first baby, thinking that I would breastfeed. I'd read the books. That was my plan. I was, in my mind, equipped to do just that. But I didn't make enough milk, so we supplemented. We worked with an amazing lactation consultant who truly made me feel supported. We navigated an oral restriction correction, also known as a tongue tie. I learned everything about galactagogues and just worked so hard to improve my supply. I went to support groups almost like it was a part-time job. Still, we we supplemented the whole time, and we were dairy-free due to an allergy, so that formula was expensive, and it smells terrible. I'm I'm sure it tastes terrible. So (laughs) yeah, that whole breastfeeding experience was the hardest part of being a new mom for me. So when we got pregnant with twins, it felt like such a huge weight, just thinking about how I wouldn't be able to meet the supply needed for two babies. Um, But again, I did everything I could to prepare. 
I had a lactation consultant picked out, somebody that had breastfed seven babies, including a set of twins. So when the twins came and I didn't make enough again, we went through all the steps. Except this time, our lactation consultant told me about a Facebook group where women were exchanging breast milk. This not only blew my mind, but opened up a world of opportunities for us, and, and I mean world. So I dove into that world of human breast milk exchanging, but it was really hard to navigate. So you post looking for milk and hope that a donor sees your post. And likewise, you hope that you're able to be the first one to respond to somebody's post about milk that they're offering. So it's extremely stressful. And then when you find somebody, there's no guidelines in place. I didn't know the etiquette, like, you know, what was I allowed to ask? How did I ask the questions that I wanted to know about? So then once all those questions are asked and you find somebody, you know, I still had to figure out the logistics. Mm, anyway, yeah. it took five months um, and the gracious donations of a handful of mothers before I found our long-term donor. But our story has a, a beautiful end. So this donor, Casey, and I connected. She was able to supply a, a great deal for us on a consistent basis. She was equally excited about an ongoing exchange. And so almost in a, a fateful way, we just started messaging each other about other things. And soon we were really good friends. So the person who gave her breast milk to support my daughter's having human milk also became a close family friend. We've even vacationed together. My my twins are COVID babies. And so her son and my twins, like they were kind of the only friends that, you know, my daughters had those first couple years. And so, you know, there are so many parents like me and Casey that are exchanging in that grassroots fashion. And yeah, my partner and I are launching Milk Exchange to make the whole current process easier, safer, more secure. And we're just looking forward to all of those beautiful connections. Oh my gosh. What a story. Yeah, it that, is. It sounds so stressful. And well, you know, thinking about feeding your, your children and having yeah. a particular vision of how you want that to unfold and then having it not happen that way, it exactly. causes additional stress. And one thing that uh, Christy and I talked about when we heard about what you were doing, we were like, this is going to help in so many ways, not only with feeding, but with maternal mental health, because yes. moms, I mean, it, it becomes something where they start to think of themselves as not adequate. There's so Definitely. many emotions in there for it. So Oh yeah. This feeding babies, just in general, feeding babies, period, is one of the most emotional things I think in, in parenthood. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And then finding out that you produce too little or, right. you know, if you're a mom that you're like, whoa, I have an abundant supply, you mm -hmm. can actually help someone. So, okay. Yeah. With that being said, what will the structure of milk exchange look like? So milk exchange is a community. But our functional center is a mobile app we'll be launching in winter. So when a milk provider creates a profile, we capture a lot of information about that milk that a recipient can then filter their search results with. So things like when was the milk pumped? Is the provider dairy, soy, or gluten-free? Is she on any medications? And so many more. So then our users can also communicate through the app directly, including audio and messaging. This creates a safe space, and that was something that was really important to the moms we surveyed on both the provider and recipient side. We also offer uh, background checks and health screening services. We require this of sellers, but it's also available for the donor donee community to access. And then finally, we support our community with curated content that helps navigate the whole entire process. We walk people through what questions to ask milk providers, and we also help those providers prepare for those questions and feel confident in having these kinds of conversations with parents that are looking to receive their milk. Um, we will have videos on how to freeze and store milk, and we're excited to host events that promote breast milk exchanging and just celebrate feeding babies in all the many ways that that looks for parents. Oh my gosh. I just kind of got this like sparkle inside <laughs> just thinking about mm -hmm. how, I love that, Cindy. yeah, just how it's going to help so many parents yeah. that might be struggling. And then, well, so this is leading into my next question for you, a mom that wants to become a donor and a mom that wants to become a recipient. Can you talk through what that looks like? Someone that needs the services and someone that wants to provide for the services. Yeah, definitely. Both 
providers and recipients can just make a profile on the Milk Exchange app, and it's it's simple. It's just a few simple steps. Um, so for all the mamas who have excess breast milk that are listening to this or know of somebody who does, they can sign up on the website and be notified when the app is live uh, now. Some of the benefits of Milk Exchange versus the current systems is that we really focus on privacy and security. So, you know, the, the providers don't need to give out their personal phone number or email address until they're ready. We also provide transactional support when there's money being exchanged. And then for the recipients, um, you know, there's no background check or health screening, but they just make a profile and then they can browse immediately. So once a parent does find a match, then they can communicate privately and securely through the app. They can use the background and health screening services if they would like. One of the big benefits to recipients is the searchability of the milk. Like I mentioned, all of those milk factors that we kind of capture. Mm -hmm. um, also, I think just feeling supported through the entire exchange from finding to procuring, that's just an unprecedented benefit that's just not out there right now. So the, the moms actually have an option on whether they want to get to be friends like you did with your donor or if they want yeah. to stay anonymous is that is that yeah well so we don't we don't have like a last name so you can just have a first name okay. and then um you're chatting through the app so then when you're ready then you would you know find a way to meet up or give your address or however it is that you want to logistically do the exchange but you know right now I think people have more access to more of your information. So just kind of helping with that privacy part mm, yeah. um, is something different. And then, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that it's just such a beautiful thing that Casey and I becomes, became such amazing friends. But I've also, you know, you know, we got milk from many women. And, and so sometimes it's, you know, just about having a nice experience, even if it's not a lasting friendship, mm, but sure. But yeah, I mean, it would be nice if everybody just became friends, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. The world would be so beautiful. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I can imagine that a lot of the mom's ears have perked up mm. like, uh, yeah. and a lot of them have this same question that I'm about to ask you, what are the finances of this? And then if there is someone that might not uh, have the financial flexibility, are there options for a mom that may not be able to afford the fees? Yeah, that is a great question. So a donor and donee can create a profile match chat exchange at no cost, and, and it will always be that way. We want to help as many families as possible, so we will always welcome individuals to reach out with any specific need that they have, whether it's financial or, or otherwise. Um, I would never want milk exchange to present a barrier. You know, we're, we're trying to break them all down. The services, the background check and the health screening do have a fee. With the background check, we are going with the most um, surface level background check. And then if anything were to be triggered by that, we would reach out to the um, provider, would talk to them about doing a deeper dive into the background check. If they decline it, then they are off the platform. If they agree to it, then we kind of investigate further. But we wanted to start with the basic background check because we anticipate that deeper dive being pretty rare. And we just wanted it to be as accessible as possible across the board. We have partnered for the health screening with uh, a third party to handle that. But at the same time, we may we have an option where providers can go through their um, primary care doctor or um, OB or, or whoever they want to and insurance if they want to do it that way. And that would help reduce the cost as well. I love this so much, Alana. I think this is such an incredible idea and it mm -hmm. is always amazing to me when a person has a personal need, like there, there is something mm -hmm. that you are personally struggling through and it creates this beautiful idea that it just becomes something to help so many people. I'm interested to hear kind of your take on this. We often hear this argument between breast is best and fed is best. Why are you so passionate about children having access to breast milk? And where does formula fit in that equation for you? I'm so glad you asked this question. So all three of my children received formula at some point and more than once. Milk exchange and normalizing breast milk exchange, supporting breast milk for all babies 
isn't about shaming formula use, but providing options to parents who want breast milk for their babies. What I found shocking is that 85% of women breastfeed their children when they're born, which is amazing, but only 25% are exclusively breastfeeding at six months. So why is that? There are so many barriers to breastfeeding, whether it's supply, mental health well-being, or returning to work. That's a big one. It's also important to note that there are parents who come into parenthood not able to breastfeed, whether they're men, adoptive parents, have a health obstacle such as cancer or being on a contraindicated medication. There are a myriad of reasons. All of these parents deserve the option and opportunity to give their babies breast milk for as long as they want. And actually, speaking of which, the AAP, American Academy of Pediatrics, changed their guidelines last spring for the first time in 10 years to include breast milk as part of a baby's diet until two years of age. So there's a lot of work for us to do if most moms don't get to six months. So yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about this because it is truly disheartening and painful to not be able to give your child something, especially when it comes to sustenance. I mean, we've kind of hit on that but already, but I mean, it's, it's such a big point and, and the milk is out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely love your response as someone who really struggled with breastfeeding. I, I mean, personally, I have no doctor saying this is so, but I think that so much of my postpartum anxiety stemmed from my struggle with breastfeeding and, and Mm -hmm. that challenging relationship that I had, I wound up exclusively pumping for a year, which was its own, uh, (laughs) so um, much work, so much work. Yes. So, so, so much work. Um, and I was actually blessed to have an oversupply. However, I had excess lipase, which Mm -hmm. means I had to scald my milk. So every time I pumped, you know, I'd pump for 20, 30 minutes, then I'd have to go and scald my milk and then store it. And I had a 24 hour window before every, you know, ounce of milk I had that had to be scalded. And I didn't realize that I had excess lipase until two months in. So I had, because I had so much, I had this huge amount of milk that I had to throw out because it had turned in, in the freezer and it, my daughter didn't want to drink it. Finding the right formula. I know friends who, especially amidst the recent formula shortage, yes. they had to go through so much to find the right formula for their child, or there was bad reactions, or mm-hmm. um, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Just having more options is so, so crucial because I had the oversupply and I was, I eventually realized that I just had to scald it because of the excess light, light pace, I was actually able to donate some of my breast milk to a friend who was dealing with a cancer diagnosis. And I remember I just, I actually gave it to Noah because I was, I don't know, probably busy pumping or something. Um, I gave it to Noah and he like went and met her in the parking lot of the art museum and like just handed it to her. There were no regulations. There were no guidelines in place. I mean, she knew me a little bit, like we weren't super close, but she trusted me. And I was happy to help her, of course, but there were no guidelines in place. What are your thoughts on this? Should there be regulations? And if so, what would that look like? Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right, Prissy. There are no regulations on human milk. But should there be? I mean, I think that depends. So in an ideal situation, there would be milk banks widely available and accessible to all parents who needed breast milk for their children. I mean, that would just be like the dream. If that were the case, then I support more regulation. And you can see standards and guidelines in place for milk banks through HMBANA, which is the Human Milk Banking Association of North America. However, milk banks are not as accessible to the general public as people may think. Most of their milk is for babies that are in the hospital, particularly like the NICU. And when it is available to the public, it is often expensive comparatively and restricted in quantity or requires a prescription or only available for a certain age or you know, so on. And it's also not as geographically prevalent as I think people may think it might be. So all of that is why we have millions of ounces being exchanged in parking lots or like in my case, late night car rides with coolers of ice. And I think that it's very important to understand about milk exchange, we are not creating a new space. 
we estimate that over 200 million ounces are in exchange via the grassroots method at any given time right now. You know, Milk Exchange is providing support and testing connections and resources to parents that are currently navigating this all on their own. You know, we're making it easier for parents to find each other and find the milk that is right for their baby. My gosh, that's that's amazing what's happening with all that you're doing. Just it's there's it sounds so overwhelming <laughs> to, to be honest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the um like being the first secure online breast milk exchange platform, mm-hmm. there must be so many logistical hoops that you have to jump through and a lot of different things that you've had to take into consideration for all yeah, of this. Definitely. You've discussed already the structure of milk exchange. You discussed right then about the regulations and whatnot. We'd love to get an idea of how you've worked through some of the various hurdles that you've had must have encountered in order to bring this resource to families. So some examples that I took from your website about this include you have to pasteurize or the dilemma of pasteurizing. You're not pasteurizing. See, I don't even know (laughs) as you're shaking your head, like the pasteurizing pasteurization of what's happening to the milk background checks, shipping the milk. So if you have people that connect from different areas and they can't meet shipping it and how to keep it fresh handling the breast milk because it has to stay safe and sterile, I'm assuming. So as business owners, Chrissy and I, we we understand how various things just present themselves that weren't on your radar when you started a business. Has there been anything that inadvertently required you to basically perform logistical gymnastics that you weren't expecting along the way? Guess what? Everyone has a spine and nervous system and can benefit from chiropractic care. Anytime there is stress on your nervous system, your body may not function properly. Many people are unaware that children can benefit from chiropractic care. They assume that seeing a chiropractor is just something you do when you're an adult dealing with a bad back, stiff joints, or poor posture. True story, that was me for the longest time. For example, as a newborn, you might struggle to latch or breastfeed. As a toddler, you might experience digestive issues that threaten proper nourishment. As a teen, poor posture, heavy backpacks, contact sports, and normal growing pains can lead to your child experiencing headaches, scoliosis, PMS, back pain, and ADD, ADHD. I definitely wish I had known about chiropractic care when I was a teen. Additionally, as a pregnant woman, you might have persistent lower back pain, which chiropractic care can be a huge help for. Believe it or not, these issues are all related to your nervous system and they can all improve with chiropractic care. Chiropractic care aims to improve the function of your spine and nervous system so that your body can function at its best. Don't wait for the pain. Contrary to popular belief, you don't have to be in pain to seek out chiropractic care. In fact, pain is typically the last symptom that is expressed when the spine isn't in proper alignment. Think of chiropractic care as a healthy lifestyle habit. The same way you brush your teeth to prevent cavities, you should go for regular chiropractic adjustments to promote better spine and nervous system health. I've never thought of it that way. Davis Family Chiropractic serves families in the Raleigh area. They want to help you discover the root cause of your problem, address it, and give your body the best tools it needs to heal. Davis Family Chiropractic focuses on prenatal and pediatric chiropractic care, and their doctors are both certified in the Webster technique, which can be helpful throughout pregnancy or simply as an intervention if a baby is breached. Prenatal chiropractic care helps to keep mom comfortable during pregnancy and helps to get your baby in the best possible position for birth. Davis Family Chiropractic sees kids of all ages from birth through teenagers to make sure that your child is developing properly and adapting to life. Visit Davis Family Chiropractic at davischironc.com and on social media at davischironc. Improve your family's health before it becomes an issue. Yeah, no, definitely. It's been a lot of hurdles, but I have to say I am very lucky that Jason is so good 
at obstacles and hurdles. That is his forte. He stays well. calm. He's like chill. He stays calm and he's really uh. good at finding solutions. He's a, <laughs> he's such a solution driven person that that is like his thing. I'm like, oh no, there's a problem. What do we do? And he's, <laughs> he's like, let's find the solution. So I'll come back to the pasteurization um, yes. topic. But so in terms of hurdles for us, shipping has been a bit of a nightmare. And it's something that we are just continuing to work on and number crunch because it needs to make sense financially before we completely roll it out to the community. You no know, shipping is completely possible. We've worked out like the kinks of like how, but it's the finances behind the shipping. It's, it's very cost prohibitive. So we're still working on how to improve that um, because in order to make it a viable option, it has to actually be financially an option. Otherwise, our biggest obstacle has been this notion of if you can't eliminate all of the potential risks, then you shouldn't even be starting this business. Um, oh. We've gotten that. And I, I completely disagree. There are risks in almost everything that we do in life from mm -hmm. cooking chicken for dinner <laughs> to driving our kids to school, you know, but we mitigate those risks by buying a meat thermometer, driving the speed limit, wearing seat belts. You know, there's nothing we do in life that does not have risks. We're very transparent about the risks associated with breast milk exchange um, and what we at Milk Exchange can do to help reduce uh, those risks by our services and through the platform. You know, beyond that, we support users through the conversation guide to discuss lifestyle, safe handling, you know, how, how are moms washing their parts and how are they storing the milk and, you know, all of those kinds of things that can give a peace of mind. So when we launch, we will immediately bring moms together faster on a secure platform um, that's offering that support and education and those services. So to go back to the, the pasteurization, so milk banks pasteurize, but only milk banks do. Mm, um, okay. That's not okay. something that's happening in any of the other kind of arenas for human milk exchange. And pasteurization, you know, can be important for fragile baby in terms of health. Um, so like your NICU babies, that can be a really important factor, but mm. for a healthy term baby that's out in the community, it, it's not the same um, in terms of, you know, their health fragility. We do address this on our website. Pasteurization is not something that we are enforcing. It's also just not something that we can safely require people to do at home. Completely understood. Absolutely. Getting it to the appropriate temperature and yeah. all of that. It's just, it would be yeah. a nightmare to basically regulate that. I, I watched Chrissy's reaction um, in the video, like while you were talking about risk, because yes, risk is everywhere around us. And yeah, and it's, and it's up to, to us as the consumer to decide what we're comfortable with, what we're not comfortable with, and definitely apply the measures that you said. Two thumbs up to you. That's, um, we know from business, our own business, that things just happen. And then you yeah. research, 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 and then mm -hmm. you make it work. So you're, yeah. you're doing amazing. Thank you. I and mean, we've gotten amazing feedback from the community and, you know, we're always trying to improve. So we love suggestions. We love people raising concerns because that's what's going to ultimately make this, you know, the best thing that it can be. That's what's going to make it safer and more efficient. And Alana, you have background in the medical arena. You, you are a nurse, correct? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. You have a deep understanding of the hospital systems and childbirth and, you know, so many aspects of parenting that a lot of people don't. So I, I did just want to throw that out there. And in that wrapped up in that, I have another question for you. So you are also a beloved Her Circle member. So yes. we, we have lots of connections yes. with you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Christy and I met when our babies were babies. So yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Alana was one of my very first mom friends, yes. actually. Yeah. So we, in her health collective, we talk a lot about the four initiatives that we focus on, including maternal mental health and anxiety, rejecting diet culture, the goddess myth, and the expectations of motherhood, which I mentioned earlier, and having equal access to care. And, you know, when we've been talking about the milk exchange, 
Cindy and I were both thrilled because we see the ability of your business to affect each of these initiatives in a beneficial way. We'd love to hear your thoughts on how you see the accessibility of breast milk through your program as having a positive impact on those initiatives that I mentioned. Yes, absolutely, Chrissy. So you talk a lot about postpartum mood disorders on Mama Needs a Moment and within the HER community. So uh, transparently, my maternal mental health was rocked by being an undersupplier. My experience paved a very painful pathway for my passion about breastfeeding, lactation, and breast milk. If mothers knew that they could still provide breast milk for their baby, even if they can't produce it, that could ease so much hurt around supply issues. I think if I had known of this option with my first baby, it would have changed my entire experience for the better. It truly takes a village to raise a baby, but in today's world, sometimes it's so hard to find that village, even know it exists or tap into it, but it's there and we need it, you know, for the benefit of our own journeys, for the well-being of our entire family, and of course, for our babies. So I do believe that, you know, breast milk should be accessible to all parents who want it for their babies. And and that's fueling our mission at Milk Exchange. Were there any other of the initiatives that we cover on Mama Needs a Moment and through her health collective that you feel would you'd like to touch on? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that Milk Exchange hits on so many of these, right? So um, you know, in terms of motherhood expectations, I I think that there is this myth out there, and I you know I'm speaking for me personally, but I, I feel like I hear this from other moms that, you know, all of this is normal and natural and easy, right? Like we're moms, we give birth to babies, we take care of babies, we breastfeed, like this is what our bodies are meant to do. And then you get there and you're like, but wait, it's not happening. It's not going that way. Like this is hard and I'm tired and I'm not producing. And I, I really love being a mom, but I feel like especially with my first, all of my expectations got shattered. And, you know, I mean, I I think that, you know, we kind of touched on this in the beginning, but just changing, shifting that, changing that mentality around like, you know, this is natural and easy to, yeah, it's work and it's hard and it doesn't always go how we thought it would go. And, you know, again, just providing that kind of discourse and normalizing the hardness of it and the obstacles of motherhood that helps those expectations, you know, line up, I think. And, um, and then again, just providing the support, the community and the conversations and the options to kind of help get us back to meeting our goals and our wants when it's not easy and when we have to look outside of ourselves or our family. And then, yeah, equal access to care. Language is important to us at Milk Exchange. We use the term parents a lot. And, you know, yes, of course, you know, so much of our community is moms and um, that's important. But, you know, I I very much identify as a mom, um, but my partner and I are both part of the LGBT community. We use fertility services to conceive our children, and those identities are also very important to me. So from the beginning, we've always wanted Milk Exchange to be inclusive and representative of all the ways in which people come into parenthood and identify as parents. So yeah, that's the equal access to care. It's it, There's really nothing more to say than I'm just so proud of you and your partner for recognizing this need taking the initiative to build it and putting it out there for the community soon, soon. It's it's such an important thing. It is. I mean, we, we touched on it, but it it is so true how much pressure society puts on us to provide breast milk to, to breastfeed, I should say. And it doesn't work for everybody. And there are challenges that just pop up and come in the way. And this is another option. And I think that's the beauty of this. There's nothing that says that formula is bad and you can't use formula or you can't use some of your own breast milk or that this is necessary for everybody, but it is another option. And Mm -hmm. that, that brings equality to the table that brings, and it's, it also is a great option for any lactating person that needs extra income or, you know, exactly. wants to share this resource. So that's another avenue there that yes. I think just lends so much to this conversation. Yes. So. To, to jump off of that, you know, we've, people have asked, you know, 
what about the whole selling aspect of milk exchange? And just to kind of touch on that, you know, we see pumping as work. It's totally work. And there are finances that have to go into it in terms of replacing pump parts. And there's always so much time. It's not just the time pumping, but it's the time washing the bottles and, you know, storing everything the right way. And, you know, that's work. And moms definitely deserve to be compensated for that. That's important to us, too. Alana, you just made me think. So when I was when I was in the thick of exclusively pumpkin pumping, not pumpkin pumping, <laughs> it's um, that time I, of year. I, <laughs> it is pumpkins on the mind. You have no idea. <laughs> I I was pumping eight times a day, yeah. and I was pumping for about twenty five minutes. It mm-hmm. was a lot. Each I mean, time. I I was waking up at 2 a.m. I was pumping for 20 to 25 minutes and it got to a point where, so I would go into Kira's room and I would hook up to the pump and I I don't remember exactly what model I had, but it was a really loud and it started to get to a point where I felt like the pump was talking. I don't I'm going to sound really weird, but it like the pump was a voice and it was talking to me. Like, yes. like, no, it's not weird at all. I get it. Um, it, it does. I mean, it, it is so, so much work. And in some ways I viewed it as my time to escape and have a moment to myself, but also eight times a day. It is, it is so, so, so much work. Power to you for seeing it as you time because I <laughs> I always just saw it as time. Sometimes I said sucked out of my life. <laughs> you were in there grumbling the whole time. Oh <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, to be fair, my pump started talking to me. Right. So. <laughs> oh yeah, you get there. You get there. Yeah. In in my sleep deprived state. <laughs> I mean, I think that like, that's the thing. There are so many ways that feeding babies looks. So just to share a little bit, I, I used an SNS with the twins, which for people that don't know, like a kind of like a bottle that you wear, and then it has like tubes coming out of the bottle that you can, you know, tape to your nipples and the baby breastfeeds, but they're basically getting the milk externally, like not from your body. And and this is a way that, you know, parents can breastfeed if they don't actually have a supply. And, you know, then we, we, we did everything. We did bottles. I also breastfed. I mean, it was just everything. And, and, you know, I triple fed. So kind of like what you were saying, you know, the breastfeeding and then the pumping and then the bottle. And um, I think what's important to me to kind of like make sure people are aware of is that you know, it can look one way this week and then next week it can look a different way. And you can have formula in your bottle today and then tomorrow you can have donor milk. And it's just not one way all the time for every baby, you know? And Mm -hmm. because we were dairy-free, there were moments where we, you know, couldn't get milk. And so we were using formula. And so it's just, there's just so many more ways it can look than just like this one simple road. And I think that that's an important picture to paint too. Oh my gosh. It's so true. I I went into breastfeeding very rigid. I was like, Mm -hmm. I am breastfeeding. Same, same Cindy. I did the same thing. Yes. And I mean, fortunately I was able to make it work. It was, I just look back now and I, my, my thinking was one way of thinking this, this is it. I didn't, I didn't see the other ways that I could feed my baby or our babies. And and like, when you were talking, I'm like, as long as they're getting nutrients, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's exactly. Yeah. And they're growing and they, so I, that's very important. Yeah. Very good point. Very good point. I think, um, unless you have any more that you'd like to tell us about, the milk exchange. I think we're going to wrap up yeah, with yeah, some nice. short and sweet questions. Yeah. Is that cool? Yes. Okay. All right, cool. So what are you reading or watching right now? Oh. This is great because I need some, I need some recommendations. Oh, I don't know if I have recommendations. <laughs> so I'm, I'm reading, um, and reading, you know, has air quotes around it, but I'm, uh, reading such a fun age by Kylie Reed, which I know was a, her circle book club pick. Where were you a I'm, few months ago? I'm that was such a good conversation. I'm a little behind. I'm still catching up. I, I mean, mean okay. twins. I'm, I'm about halfway in. So New that's business. True. 
Yeah. I, uh, so when the, when the list came out for the year, I like picked all the books I was like interested in. And uh, I'm just, I'm never going to be able to make it to one of those. Cause I'm just way too far behind, but you know, what do you I'm start sleeping? It. Do you start reading at night and then you get through like two pages and you fall asleep? I mean, oh, I can't even read a physical copy. I don't know how people do that. I only do audiobooks because I oh. like, I I'm doing it like when I'm doing dishes or driving to and from, you know, picking the kids up. Oh yeah. I don't know how people have like a, oh, yeah. a physical book that they're reading anymore. I'll, I mean, I'll that happens to, to me. One day. Yeah. I fall asleep when I, when yeah. I read, I, I, a lot of times I fall asleep at night and it'll like fall on top of my you. nose. Like it just like <laughs> hits me in the face. face. <laughs> That's a good way to wake up. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. All right. So um, such a good age. Are you watching yeah. anything? So no, not really, but I, I would say that I'm always kind of watching Gilmore girls. It's like what I, it's like what I put on, you know, like what I need, like TV, but, um, that's kind of my guilty pleasure. That show just fascinates me and how fast they talk, how yeah. fast they like <laughs> yeah. banter back and forth. I'm like, how I do they it. remember this? It's I love it. Very impressive. Yeah. Does your family have a, a motto, whether it's spoken or unspoken? Stop hitting. No, yeah, right. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> we don't share. hit here. Yeah. Use your words, share. Um, yeah. I don't think it's a family motto, at least not yet, but it might be our relationship saver. Jason and I have this thing that we say to each other when we're questioning one another's decisions or actions, or, you know, somebody didn't do something that we thought the other would or should. Um, we say benefit of the doubt. BOD. Um, and it's really just like this reminder to each other that we're both good parents with good intentions. Um, you know, we parent very differently. So when we can give each other the benefit of the doubt, it just helps us through those moments so much smoother. At least it's not CTFD. Right. <laughs> it's just so sweet. <laughs> it's kind of like a like, okay, BOD. Like it's like, a, yeah, 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 like yeah, you look yeah. at each other like, okay. Yeah, I'm giving right, you the wait, benefit of the here. What would CTFD be? Thank you, Krithi. I'm like, I don't oh. know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Calm the F down. Calm the Oh, oh okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that too, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think he would be much more receptive to the one that you have rather than the <laughs> CTFD, you know, like. <laughs> probably, probably, yeah. Is, uh, what's, well, I answered this for you. What's happening in your life right now? I mean, you're launching a business. Oh, yeah, so just everything. it's like. The, well, and our, our oldest started kindergarten, our youngest, you know, the twins started preschool. I'm also going back to work, um, the starting milk exchange. So, I mean, there's just so much new for us right now. So many, you know, big transitions we're all adjusting to, but it's also really exciting time. Like kindergarten is so cool. And so are you, you must be using BOD or a lot. Yeah, no. BOD a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wait, is that what it was? Benefit yeah. of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess it's technically BOTD, but yeah. Right. BOD sounds better. It rolls it off the tongue better. Yeah. It does. It does. All right. So let's see, what is your favorite thing about being a mom? Oh, I love this question. So there are so many things I love about being a mom. It's impossible to choose one, but I love being the person that gets to help shape these tiny, beautiful little creatures into people. Um, I get to watch their discoveries and help them figure out how to exist in this big world. And that is just such an incredible honor. So I love seeing their moments of like awe and realization. That is just so special to me. It doesn't... Uh stress you out a little bit? Like oh, knowing totally. that you're shaking. Okay, I mean, like <laughs> good. Cause as you were talking, I was like, um, that stresses me out that I'm shaping these people. It's a oh, lot of pressure. Yeah. I guess when I look at it that way, that is, yeah, it is a lot of pressure. And I think especially like today's parent, you know, we're like, we have to do it right. We have to do it perfect. Um, but I mean like more from like the outsider's perspective, yes. like and getting to watch them, you know, like getting to like be part of that and like, just kind of watch that change. And I mean, like, so the twins, you know, everything right now is mine and, and sharing is like such a gigantic thing right now. And so just like when they do share, it's like this beautiful, so magical moment of like, Oh my God, they're sharing, you know? It is. <laughs> yes. You're like, just embrace the moment. It's not going to last yes, long. Exactly. One, two, three, and we're yes. done. <laughs> exactly. Cindy, you've been through that before. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. Absolutely. It's also watching their physical changes. 
Yeah. Uh, just how they're, you know, because you're with them every day. And then sometimes you just look and you're like, whoa, yeah. when did that happen? Right. Like yeah. that, that's also, I, I oh, love yeah. that piece of it too. So last one, what message do you think mm-hmm. every mom should hear? So many messages. Um, every drop counts and you're doing it. You're already everything that that baby or toddler or teenager needs and it takes a village. So let us be part of yours and join ours. Love it. Exclamation point. Ah, how much do you love Alana? I'm sure now you see why I became such fast friends with her. She is amazing and so passionate about what she is building for families with the Milk Exchange. Here are our top three takeaways from today's episode. One, there are so many barriers to breastfeeding. Alana mentioned, and I fully agree, that struggles with breastfeeding are a huge contributing factor to maternal mental health struggles. The pressure our society puts on mothers to provide breast milk to their babies can be very daunting and disheartening for a new mom that is struggling to produce enough or get a proper latch or to make it work with a work schedule, medications, etc. Alana shared that 85% of women breastfeed their children when they're born, but only 25% are exclusively breastfeeding at six months. With new recommendations by the American Academy of Pediatrics to provide breast milk up to the age of two, we know that number dwindles even further. Other options are clearly needed. Two, milk banks are not as easy to access as many may be led to believe. Often designed for NICU babies or other fragile children, and often with a lot of hoops to jump through to access, it is typically expensive, often restricted in quantity, requires a prescription, may only be available for a certain age group. There are also quite a few hoops to jump through to be able to donate to a milk bank. They just aren't an immediately available or easy to access source of sustenance for most families. Alana estimates that 200 million ounces of breast milk are in exchange via grassroots methods at any point in time. Clearly, there is a need here. Three, milk exchange offers another option for families to feed their babies. With more options comes more power and true freedom for families to make the choice that is best for them. Be sure to check out Milk Exchange give them a follow, and share this incredible new resource with other families that might be able to benefit from this new service. Hi, bye, friend. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Follow us so you're the first to know when we drop a new episode. If you enjoyed your time with us, let us know by leaving a review. We always love hearing from you. Until next time, stay true to you.